Hello and welcome to Beer and Money, a financial fireside chat for professionals. We work to simplify your finances so you can enjoy your life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello everybody, welcome back to Beer and Money. I'm your host, Ryan Burklow, with me gazing into my eyes, and he's got adorable eyes, Alexander Bradley Collins. Hey Ryan, it's good to be here with you. Hey buddy. So um, we've had a riveting conversation prior to hopping on air today, uh, and I, I think this is going to be uh, an interesting topic, which I think is on a lot of people's minds right now. But before we jump into the topic, uh, let's talk about where where beer and money came from, right? Sure. So uh, so beer and money was originally a, a seminar series that you and I were doing for a large tech employer in the area. Um, the, the goal was really just to have a relaxed conversation around money and try and tear down some of the stigmas around it. So we did a, a happy hour and tried to make it a fireside chat. Um, it was widely successful. Everyone loved it. In fact, they would, were asking us afterwards if we'd recorded it because they wanted to watch it again or share it with friends. And uh, this gave us the idea that uh, people may actually want to hear us discussing spreadsheets. We're not actually going to discuss spreadsheets here, but... Uh, it, it gave us a start to uh, to thinking that we were onto something. Yeah, so this this podcast is all about providing uh, you know some I wouldn't call it advice because we can't give advice without knowing uh, knowing you personally and 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 knowing your finances, but spurring the conversation around finances. And so we've done a lot of that. We also bring in how to how to also be. Um, a, a better person in terms of growth, as well as helping you you succeed um, in in your job and pushing yourself further. So we've had authors come on talking about professional growth and personal growth, and so there's there's other pieces to this podcast, but it's all stemmed from how can we have a conversation about money in a relaxed setting so that we can actually talk about it because it's a taboo topic. So those of you who uh, have been listening. Welcome back. For those of you who are new, now you know what, what we're all about. Today's conversation, we're going to be talking about, you know, we we constantly hear this and see this in the news around the the Americans are having this, this doubt of or fear of whether or not they're ever going to be able to retire at all. Yeah. And while I think retirement has completely changed, you know, this whole like retirement stereotype of turning age 65, stopping working and never working again and living on the golf course for the rest of your life, that like that happens, right? Yeah, it happens. But in reality, because we're living longer and studies have shown like the more active you are and the more you keep your brain, the longer you live. So that's coming into play. But Americans are genuinely afraid of their financial picture long term because of everything that we've experienced thus far. Yeah, I mean, like one of the things that spurred this conversation was an article that you and I saw um, around like one in three Americans feeling like because of this pandemic that they now won't be able to retire. And that that number was astounding. Uh, in terms of like the the effect and impact that that this particular financial issue um, ha, has popped up, 
So to go along with this, we're going to be talking about what we think are the three problems or concerns around this fear of being able to retire. And then we're going to talk about what can we do about it? What's the solve around those? And and the the biggest one that for most kids getting out of school right now, and even if you've been out of school for five years or even a decade, right, it's you're graduating with this student loan debt. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I graduated, I think, with 20000 of student loan debt. And some of that was paid. The others was paid for by me or, and or my parents. But the cost for me going to college, and I'm sure Alex, you the same, was nowhere near the cost as it is right now. And I graduated in 02. Right. Like it's not, I guess that's 18 years from now. That Wow, that's just hit me differently. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, we're old, right? <laughs> but we didn't we most of us were not graduating with six figure debt yeah i mean I, I certainly knew a few people that did graduate with six figure debt but uh yeah i mean most most folks uh that i knew were were graduating with debt and it definitely felt like a uh, a mountain to try and have to climb and it at the same time is also nowhere near what uh what today's college graduate deals with yeah it's difficult, you know, to graduate and have six figures of debt to all of a sudden have to re to pay back and then figuring out how to pay back, what program to be on. Like that's, that's a whole nother episode for us. <laughs> yeah. But the, the underlying concern is how am I going to get this student loan debt taken care of, um, buy a house, have a family, maybe retire, maybe go to Hawaii. Yes. I had to throw a hole in, in this episode, Alex. Of like, how do I, how do I do all of this? And get the debt paid off. Like that's the big question. Yeah, um, and we'll we'll address that later on. But like number two, in terms of the issues that we've heard clients bring up, and and we've we've heard spoken about so many times, even with clients that have a tremendous amount of means and tremendous amount of wealth and solid incomes, is the affordability of housing. Like yeah. we have seen, especially here in the greater Seattle area. Uh, we've just seen this massive explosion that occurred, you know, really in the last, like it's been going on for, for quite a while, um, but we've seen even a bigger issue over the last three, four, five years um, where, where we've seen houses um, just go up and go, go up and go up and go up. Um, and like, we're starting to see maybe a little bit of a change to that, but uh like you, uh, a lot of clients are still concerned about the affordability of housing. Yeah, I mean, we we had we had a listener actually go to our website and book a meeting with us on you know on our website, and the the concern that they have is they're wanting to to purchase a house, and, and they're already in negotiations about to purchase it. But as they're sitting there looking at this, they're like, "How do we cover this mortgage?" and do all the other stuff that we want to do because we were saving a bunch of money and this is going to cut into that savings and that scared them. Right. And that makes sense, right? Like I think my first house cost me like $200,000 and that was for a 1200 square foot like condo in in a nice, (laughs) nicer area. Right. I think that same condo is now going for like four or $500,000. And that's, it's it's it the price has just gone up and imagine getting out of school making you know 50 60 maybe eighty thousand dollars and looking to buy something like that and then right away like 30 percent of your income is going to your mortgage 
Well, or even more. I mean, a lot of people these days who are looking at, especially in the Seattle area, maybe upwards of like 40% going to their mortgage. Um, one of the things that, that you and I speak into is a desire and a goal to have long term, uh, the mortgage only take up, say, 15, maybe 20% of somebody's more of somebody's income. And right now, it's just super challenging to to accomplish that. Right now, it's just not realistic uh, in terms of, especially for people that are just out of school or maybe you know four or five years out of school. Um, yeah, first time home buyers are are definitely struggling with that. Uh, and then you know we didn't mention this prior to hopping on, Alex, but you know another conversation that we are having with people that do own homes is okay. Let, what about refinancing the home? Does, does mm-hmm. that make sense to refinance and, and maybe bring in the student loan debt? Like. That's something to to possibly consider, especially with the low interest rates we've got going on right now. But again, these are the questions we're getting. And the last, this all stems to, and number three might be like the overarching question is maybe, I don't know if it's a perceived lack of control or just not knowing what steps to take first. Yeah, uh, perceived lack of control, I think definitely is, is a component of it. Um, I mean, there's this misnomer that we're in the uh, the information age, right? And there there have been so many people that have talked about it as the the misinformation age, just based on the sheer amount of information that's out there, and, and how it's difficult to tell uh, fact from fiction. And we've got this entire new thing that's popping up of of uh, you know fake news and all of that stuff. And and it's just it's really interesting. Um, so not only do we have this lack of control, but also, you kind of brought this up earlier, everything being tied for top priority, buying a home, paying off student debt, building up an emergency reserve, starting a family, like all of this stuff. And now like, well, it can't all be number like the top priority, right? Uh, and that I think feeds into this just lack of control and, and, uh, general feeling of financial helplessness of of being overwhelmed with the the amount of responsibility and and uh obligations that are that are taxing people's situation so what what can people do alex right so i these are the concerns on people's minds right now so so what do they do to maybe not you can't solve for all of this in in definitely one episode on beer and money and you know one month even right but what is it people can do to 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 lessen their fear and have them feel more confident about their finances sure i mean so the the first thing that we need to do is is create a plan you know have an idea as to okay what is our methodology how are we going to go about addressing these things so you know really that that lack of prioritization that you and I just talked about, like let's address that first and foremost. And and now let's create a methodology for how we're going to tackle these things, why we would want to tackle debt versus a home versus saving for retirement versus starting a family versus paying for college, like all this stuff. Like, okay, let's prioritize it and figure out for your situation and your circumstances, what do we need to address first, second, third, fourth, fifth? Uh, from there, like once we have, well, let's our just arms- let's just stop there for a second, Alex. Like I think that right there. I mean, even when you said let's have a plan, I literally felt some of the 
listeners eyeballs roll back to their back of their head <laughs> because that's all our industry talks about is you need to have a financial plan and you know obviously we're about to sit here and say yeah you should let's let's define financial plan for them right i think a lot of them think of this like investment only type conversation or rate of return or all these numbers come in their way rather than what we're talking into is more of no let's actually sit down and have a conversation around where are your priorities like what is priority number one right do you feel comfortable buying a house before your student loans are paid off and why or why not and it might be some misinformation to your point of understanding how money works or it might just be from an emotional standpoint you got to get that taken care of and if that's the case okay what is the plan right how do we go about how do we go about addressing it what what is what is the thing that we address first, second, and third, and really getting to the point where we understand um, and, and really wrap our our arms and our, our heads around like okay, here's what it looks like. You know, one of the things that uh, that when we sit down and talk with folks that are that are at this stage, they're in their you know mid to late twenties, early thirties. One of the things that we we wind up doing after we get past kind of the the initial conversation and start getting into the, the our cash flow conversation uh, or conversations is we, we hear people say oh there's this immense sense of relief not that they've paid off their debt not that they've bought a home not that they've like actually accomplished anything any of these things but they feel, feel this tremendous amount of relief and, and easing of tension that it's now a possibility that they see how they could go about getting to having paid off debt or being a homeowner like all of these these stepping stones that they that they like thought of that kind of got crushed by all of these obligations like we gave them a way forward and and it's immensely freeing to have a way to move forward and be able to to see a possibility of the future yeah, I mean, it's it's like anything else in life, right? Like many of you went through school, have a job. You have to have different plans to get through school. Now, many of us probably procrastinated and studied for the exam the night before. Um, but over time, you, you've planned and, and planned something out in your life and got the job accomplished. And how much easier is it to get the job accomplished when you have a plan? So that's what we're speaking into. This isn't like a financial planning a retirement planning type conversation that I think scares a lot of people. It's more of, no, these are the steps to do, and this is how you get there. And that is completely like a big weight is lifted mm -hmm. off, off the client's back. So that's a huge piece. So having a plan, absolutely step one. To help do that is we'd like to automate as many things as we possibly mm -hmm. can so that we don't have to worry about it. Right, and to, to help us out with that, we've got this this concept that that we've you know helped craft and helped create um, called wealth coordination, and, and the the idea behind a wealth coordination account is that we take all of the surplus dollars and we put it into one central location, and, and we we add some tracking components to it. Uh, we uh, to Ryan's point, we automate this as much as possible so that. Uh, you know, in, in an ideal world, we have our paycheck going directly into this account. Um, and then from there, we separate out and, and send a certain amount of dollars that go to the bill paying account. 
like one of the things that we do as Americans is we have these these different accounts that we call checking and savings. And like it's amazing like how many times you and I have asked people, hey, what is your savings account used for? And the answers that we inevitably get when we're asked what a savings account is for is it's always being spent, spent later. Right, on something right. in the not too distant future. It's in our language. Like literally when people say, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to use my Hawaii trip again. I'm going to go to Hawaii. Literally the verbiage that we use is I'm going to save up for that. <laughs> like, right. Think about that for a second. It's in, built into American culture and language that we're going to save a bunch of money. I mean, I guess if you really want to go, like I'm sure someone in, in that's listening is probably like you right now and they're an analytic and they're saying, well, I'm saving in my retirement plan so I can spend it later. Like, I guess that's that's the case across the board. Um, however, say, you know, spending the money six months from now versus 30 years from now is way different. Absolutely. Um, and it's it's just it's interesting to hear these these different things that we've got like, oh, a savings account is in our minds, like dedicated to these expenses that like it's going to be gone within six months, nine months, a year, like we don't think about a savings account as being a long-term thing that we have. Um, and so it's it's not shocking that we're really, really bad as a country around like keeping money in those accounts. Like we call them the wrong thing. We, we put like, that's where our money goes. Like as Americans, we generally just kind of live in the fishbowl, right? And the like a goldfish will get as big as the bowl that you put it in. You put a goldfish in a really big bowl, it'll get really big. Same thing with Americans and finance. If you give somebody uh, a bigger budget, bigger disposable income, that they're gonna spend a bigger portion of it. it, it it's, it's like clockwork um, if we're left to our own devices. And that's one of the reasons why we wanna automate this concept and use this wealth coordination account where all the dollars come into this one account and then we systematically put it towards the things that are you're prioritizing, whether that's a uh, down payment for a home, paying off student loans, building up an emergency reserve, like whatever the, the concepts are, we then have specific places that these dollars go. Um, and so it's not lost in the sauce of life. We don't wind up, you know, wind up frivolously spending these, these dollars. Uh, on escape type concepts because we feel this weight of you know, housing, debt, all of these various different components. Um, and we're, we're able to, to, to create a different future for ourselves because of it. And the, you want to have this account outside of your normal banking institution that you're utilizing. Like if you're going to Bank of America or Chase, whatever banking institution you're utilizing right now, this is probably not the place that you want to set up your wealth coordination account. You want to set up your wealth coordination account or, or wealth building account, however you want to call it, somewhere that you're not going to go to all the time. And what happens in that account is your paycheck will go into that account and then it automatically sends the dollars to your Bank of America account so that you can live the life. And then the rest of the money gets captured and it's not getting lost in the sauce of life. Like that's, that's the general purpose of this. It's kind of like, like the reason people have money in a 401k is because it comes directly out of their paycheck and then never even gets a chance to enter their lifestyle. That's 
kind of a version of this to some degree, and it, it, we're trying to automate it as much as possible. Absolutely, and and the, to be clear, like, we don't want you to give up control of your money. Like we want you to be fully in control of this. This is something that like all of the numbers get dictated to us by the client of like, okay, here's how much you want to go where, and the first step has to be liquid. Like we have to create flexibility. I'm laughing because, uh, and Alex is gonna laugh right after I say this because I am a control freak. What just hit me was, oftentimes if we bring this up to someone, someone will say, I wanna control my money. And if Americans were good at controlling their money, would we really have an issue of people retiring the way that they wanna live? <laughs> no, we would not. We wouldn't have that issue. So I'm not pointing the fingers at anyone listening, but that's something to, to really consider is if you're saying, I want to control my money, have you really looked at it and saying, are you actually controlling your money? Like this isn't the end all be all. This is just a way to help you to control your money. And that's why we're having this episode and this entire podcast. Yeah. Well, and like I, like Ryan and I have had this, this conversation and there, there's, uh, there's a relatively new concept and structure that's similar to this wealth building, uh, wealth building account or wealth coordination account that uh, um, where it does create an extra layer. Um, and Ryan, being the control freak that he he is, was like, ah, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with this. And so I was actually intentionally speaking directly to you, Ryan, of like, yes, we are continuing to create and maintain control and maintain flexibility and and maintain liquidity with a good portion of these assets but we're also employing the same concepts that we do with the automation of 401k and the the automatic payments that we make where it becomes out of sight out of mind and just happens automatically um I was having a conversation with a client the other day who's like holy cow we've already built up you know 40 50,000 dollars in this structure like it feels like we just started it not that long ago. I'm impressed that we've already gotten to that point. Again, it's and that, that's the confidence that builds, and all of a sudden it changes everything that you do. And it, it's it's interesting how people change the way that they look at everything when all of a sudden they see their money actually grow. Mm -hmm. and a light bulb goes off, like, oh, okay, and it didn't affect my my lifestyle. I just actually controlled my money yeah or i had a system control it for me so i didn't get in the way <laughs> right it's and that's 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 it exactly right there ryan it is a system to to get you out of being in the way of your own uh, best interest and like we know that when we set these things up like the things are going to happen and that's why we the first step in the first stage is creating liquidity and creating flexibility so that forbid we didn't do it right or you know murphy's law comes into play and like something goes wrong like okay great we still have access it's still liquid we haven't locked up those dollars so takeaways from this episode so we understand right the debt is a big issue cost of housing and the perceived mortgage that 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 may occur and then the perceived lack of control or just not knowing where to start the solutions to this is have a plan and build a system into that plan. 
Mr. Collins, why don't we talk about the question of the day? Question of the day is, what are you using? What system, what structure are you using to keep yourself apprised of all of this stuff? And so we're talking about, you know, the, the data aggregation type tools of, of knowing, you know, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet that you created yourself or whether it's a, a tool out there um, that, that uses data aggregation to be able to, to help you better understand what you're doing and how you're doing it and where your money is going. Like, what are you using to accomplish this task? And I'm going to add a caveat to the question, not a caveat, a second part to the question, is it working? Okay. Which is maybe the bigger question to ask. So head to beerandmoney.net, um, and at the bottom of that, uh, you can answer our question or feel free to uh, write in a topic that you'd like to hear us talk about. Um, we have had actually a couple of people reach out to us that are not in the state of Washington and was wondering if we could either work with them on a on a personal level um, and we do, like most of our meetings, like most people nowadays, are virtual. And so we do work with people across the U.S. So um, we thought that we'd throw that out there for you all. Um, as always, we appreciate you all listening. Uh, we hope we brought some value to you. And check out uh, check us out at beermoney.net. Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Governance Securities Guardian or quantified financial partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 333 North Indian Boulevard, Fairmont, California 91711. 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, Membra, Membra, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian, Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2020-103-656, expiration June 2022.